Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Jeremiah 16, verses 1 through 9. I believe I just have one or two more sermons maximum from Jeremiah. We've been going through quite a bit of it here. But Jeremiah 16, 1 through 9. This is the word of the Lord The word of the Lord also came to me saying, that's to Jeremiah, you shall not take a wife nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. For thus says the Lord concerning the sons and daughters who are born in this place and concerning their mothers who bore them and their fathers who begot them in this land. They shall die gruesome deaths. They shall not be lamented, nor shall they be buried, but they shall be like refuse on the ground, on the face of the earth. They shall be consumed by the sword and by famine, and their corpses shall be meat for the birds of heaven and for the beasts of the earth. For thus says the Lord, do not enter the house of mourning, nor go to lament or bemoan them, for I have taken away my peace from this people, says the Lord, loving kindness and mercies. Both the great and the small shall die in this land. They shall not be buried. Neither shall men lament for them, cut themselves, nor make themselves bald for them. Nor shall men break bread in mourning for them to comfort them for the dead. Nor shall men give them the cup of consolation to drink for their father or their mother. Also, you shall not go into the house of feasting to sit with them to eat and drink for thus says the Lord of hosts the God of Israel behold I will cause to cease from this place before your eyes and in your days the voice of mirth the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride may God bless his words to our hearts today as we hear them proclaimed Stay clean in a polluted world. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, Nebuchadnezzar was God's whip. And he was coming against Judah because Judah had turned her heart away from her first love. And instead she turned to her second love, which was a love for the things of this world, for pleasure and for profit. Those who wanted to avoid God's coming wrath were not only to turn back to God, but they were also commanded to turn away from those who were living wicked lives. And that is God's message for you today. And it comes under three headings. Don't marry any wicked woman in Judah. Second, don't go into any house to mourn the dead in Judah. And then third, don't go into any house to celebrate anything in Judah. And our goals are that you will learn to stay away from people who are marked for death and instead work together with those who love the Lord Jesus to advance his kingdom. First, we look at don't marry any wicked woman in Judah. That was God's direct words to Jeremiah. God's direct words were, don't marry anyone from Judah and don't have any children there, was the implication. 
And of course, when we hear this, we have to think that it's God's word to Jeremiah, but the application was to all who were godly in the land of Judah, especially considering the impending judgment of the Babylonians. Now, this was a very striking command when God says, don't marry anyone here. Men were expected to be married. God said it was not good for man to be alone and gave him a wife. And ever since, men are commanded to be married. Marriage is the normal state. In fact, marriage is essential for certain duties like being an elder in the church. Jeremiah's own people, his own clan had tried to kill him. And he had to hide. And now God says, don't even marry anyone here. That seems quite a limitation that God was putting upon him. But then God went further. God explained why. God told Jeremiah not to marry a woman from there, from God's covenant people, by the way, because they and their families were wicked. How wicked were they? Well, they were so wicked that he said they would die gruesome deaths from the coming terror. Even boys and girls would be killed, according to the scriptures. In most cultures, when an invading army would come, at least they would leave the women and the girls alive. But not so here. The Babylonians will kill even the girls. Why? Because the nation was so wicked. Remember, we looked at earlier, God called his bride a prostitute and wanted nothing to do with her. Next, they were so wicked that they would not only die from the Babylonian captivity, but they would have no one to mourn for them. And how sad that is when there's no one who would show up even to mourn for someone who has died. Next, they were so wicked that they would have no one to bury them. Their body would be strewn over the ground like sewage. Literally, that's the word on the land. Next, they were so wicked that those who survived would be killed by famine. Those who survived the sword would be killed by famine. Every parent knows how you feel when a child is sick. And you wish you could take the place of that child any day of the week. Imagine watching a child starve to death. Slowly, painfully, and it is very painful... When there's no water, there's no food. And God says, that's what's going to happen to these people. Why? Because they were so wicked. But he didn't end there. He said they were so wicked that they would be eaten by birds and other scavenging animals. You know, even your enemy you would dig a hole and bury. But these would have no one to bury them or no one to care. That birds and wild animals would eat their dead bodies. And you think, okay, they're really bad, don't get married. But what what was the point of all of this? The point was this. If Jeremiah married one of these uh, children from one of these families, he would be legitimizing their behavior and make them not consider the coming judgment. So this was not just to protect Jeremiah from a miserable life. This was also as a witness to the people living wicked lives. 
And that's how we now come to our application on this first point. First of all, it is better to be single than to marry wrongly. Many have made this mistake because they think we must get married. It's too important to get married and, and they make bad choices. They compromised in order to get married and they marry the wrong person. And they live lives of regret. But the Lord is saying you must take the hard life. And not sin against him. Second. God doesn't care if your wife is brown or black or blue. Or green for that matter. God doesn't care if your wife lived a bad life before she came to know the Lord. God doesn't care if your wife to be had children from sin before this matters there's repentance and restoration that's the child of God God wants you to marry someone who loves him more than he loves you and then you'll be safe that's what God wants what could Jeremiah have done here would have been miserable for him and for his bride third celibacy is not a better state than marriage some people see this and they think, oh, it must be, you're superior, you're more sanctified if you're not married. No. The normal thing is to be married. That's the expected state that God made. Priests are not better than pastors. Marriage is the normal state. We live in a time where there's a lot of piety and somehow they think that getting married is a, is a sign of weakness. No, it's a sign of obeying the, the Lord and his command. Now, if you marry wrongly, just as in the case of Jeremiah, and this is where it really comes together now, it would make that person think that his life is okay or her life is okay. His sense of judgment would be diminished. If you marry someone who's not a believer, they will think God is okay with how I'm living my life. After all, my godly husband or my godly wife thinks that that is okay. They get a wrong sense of who God is. And therefore you're undermining God in front of that person. Now by the way, this is not saying you're better than the person who's not a Christian. We're all sinners before God. The difference is we're God's children. And God's children are not to mix with those who are not. Well let's bring it home a little bit closer now. We think of the bride as the husband and wife. But the church is also God's bride. And he's saying the same thing. Don't be joined with the church. Simply because maybe they have a cross in front. Or simply because they are fun. You go there and they hug the daylights out of you. And you feel important. And they, they make you a member of some committee somewhere. That's how a lot of people are drawn to churches. But that's the kind of thing that God was warning Jeremiah about. Don't be fooled because you, if you join them, you'll make them think what they're doing is legitimate. Always stick to a good and godly church that loves Christ more than they love you. And then you will be safe because a cross means nothing. It's, does that church truly love God? Do they worship God in a way that he says? Is that church multiplying? I'm not talking about getting people from other churches. I'm talking about evangelizing. That's how they will come. 
you have a lifestyle of sharing the gospel and inviting people to come and worship the Lord. Well, let's go to our second point. First of all, I don't want you to marry those people because they're sentenced to death because they are wicked. And to marry them means you are compromising and make them think they're okay. It's also dishonoring to God. But the second point is, don't go into any houses to mourn the dead. That's from verse 5. Don't go there to lament or to bemoan. Jeremiah had to mourn. God told him to mourn for the carnage that was coming upon Judah. But he was not to go into the houses and join with those who were lamenting and mourning the passing of their loved ones. This was quite extraordinary. God did not want him to mourn. Why would God say no to mourning? That's as normal a thing as any in this world since the fall. Well, God, Jeremiah was not allowed to mourn with the Jews because God had taken away the peace from them that he had given to them. And Jeremiah was not to go into their houses of mourning and give them that peace when they had no good feelings towards God. Listen to what Job said in Job 34 verse 29. He said, when he gives quietness, who then can make trouble? And then here again, and when he hides his face, who then can see him, whether it is a nation or a man alone? And they were a nation that had turned their backs on God and God had taken away his peace. You see that picture of Ezekiel when the the glory that was in the temple, that bright light, that bright cloud that was over the holiest place moved on top of the uh, temple. Then eventually it moved outside of the city walls and eventually it went to the mountains and then eventually disappeared. The picture of God's presence disappearing and therefore his people did not have his peace or comfort. His loving kindness and mercies were gone, which meant they could not count on his protection and they could count on his punishment. Remember the cloud and that was uh, over them during the day? It was for the protection of Israel as they traveled from Egypt to Canaan. Remember the light that was behind them at night to give them light in their tents? That too was gone. And that was the picture here. And that's why God is saying, don't go and mourn with them because you can't give them that peace that I have taken away. And in fact, verse 6 says, goes into details to show Who will be dead? He said people from the greatest or the most important to the smallest, the least important would die. And nobody would care. Nobody would care if someone important died. He would be left on the ground like everyone else to be eaten by wild animals. Nobody would care if a relative died. In a most deplorable position. Nobody would care if a child died. And how hard that is. Everyone cares when a child dies. Nobody would care if his wife died. Because they were so wicked. God will destroy them in such strong ways. And therefore Jeremiah was not to go into their houses. Their bodies would be left to rot and be eaten in the field. And this did happen. There'd be nobody according to the Lord here to lament which was done in every good culture. You would invite people who would sing sad songs so the people will bring out their emotions. They will have a good cry and, and deal with the reality of their problems. 
that too will be gone. There will be no lamenters, no criers. And then nobody would cut themselves. And you think, what is that? Is God endorsing cutting oneself? No, that's what the, the Jews started to do as part of embracing their religious practices of their neighbors. One of the things they would do is cut themselves or they would shave the front part of their heads as part of their mourning because that's what pagans did. But the Lord had explicitly condemned such things, such as those pagan ways. In Leviticus chapter 19 verse 28, for example, he said, you shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. God had explicitly forbidden this, but they had developed it. And God is saying, you want to go the way of the pagans? I will even stop that from happening. And then verse 7. Something's very interesting for us. Nor shall men break bread in mourning for them to comfort them for the dead. That's not very common in our culture, but that was common then. Judah would not have anyone to eat with in their funerals to comfort their loved ones who had passed. There'd be no drinking to stir up joys and to numb the pain of mourning. Ezekiel said, who's a contemporary of Jeremiah, he said in Ezekiel 24 verse 17, Sigh in silence, make no mourning for the dead. Bind your turban in your head and put your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your lips and do not eat man's bread of sorrow. That was the warning to him. And it was a custom to send bread and wine to the family of one who was mourning. Especially if a father or mother died. It's really only in Western cultures where you have this kind of stiff upper lip kind of thing at a funeral and very polite. In most countries of the world, it's a big thing. There, in Jamaica, for example, there are huge feasts when someone dies, as in other parts of the world. So they'll eat and drink and they will talk stories and they will be distracted from the sadness of the time. And the Lord is saying, oh, don't go and eat that bread and drink that wine with them. Proverbs 31 verse 6 says, Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. And the Lord is saying, No, you will have good memory of what is happening to you. You will be alone. You will have no friends visiting you. There will be no bread. There will be no wine coming to your house. Jeremiah was told not to go there. These people were too evil. Even for mourning. Now, what can we learn here? First of all, this is a requirement to avoid joining in pagan ceremonies like they did. Shaving of their heads and all of that. Contrary to God's law. That means you must not attend Roman Catholic masses. Even for weddings. The wedding is a mass. But it's idolatry. It's paganism. God hates them. That's why the mass was called an abominable practice. In our culture, we want to be polite. But you know what you're doing when you do that? You're making them think that that is okay when you join them. Now, you must not avoid people who need to hear the gospel. But you do need to avoid their sinful practices. Second, 
Avoid fake Christian ceremonies performed by those who live corrupt lives. Don't make them think that their sinful ways are okay. This, again, will be contributing to their destruction. So you've got non-believers, but you have Christian people. You know, there are people who are professional uh, workers, or what do they call They're like preachers at funeral homes. And they would preach anyone into heaven. They will tell you everything's okay, that your loved one is at rest in the Lord and in peace, and the person never knew Christ. What a lie to those who are there. What a deception. But there are many, and you're not to join with those. It means you have to be very discerning, not to give people the wrong idea. You want to be supportive and encouraging. But you have to be careful that you're not giving people the wrong message. Third, if you live your life to help prove uh, to the world uh, that you believe. Or let me back that up. If you make a stand and not participate in these things, you will tell the world that you are different because God has made you different and God's standards are different. But if you act like everything is okay and that God is pleased with that worldly life, that's the message the world would get. Their relatives aren't in heaven if they don't know Jesus Christ. He's not at peace, as the preacher might say at the funeral. You see why he's saying don't join with them? They're giving them the wrong idea. Now, if you live a godly life, if you cry out against sin and call people to repentance, they will know that all is not well with the world. And then maybe they will look to Christ and maybe they will be saved. But it calls for you making a stand first. That's what God called Jeremiah to do. Let's come to a third point. So don't marry them. Don't go and mourn with them. But the Lord expressed this in an even more graphic way. He expanded. He says, don't go into any house to celebrate anything in Judah. You shall not go into their house, verse 8. A house of feasting to sit and to eat and to drink with them. You know, eating and drinking on special occasions was very normal. Again, to most cultures. Well, these people were so bad, God did not want Jeremiah to celebrate even good times with them. And then God explains why in verse 9. Jeremiah was warned not to mix with these wicked people because God was going to take away everything they had, even their joys from them. And as you often see with the destruction of the southern tribes, Judah, God had used similar language in the destruction of the northern tribes 125 years before. In Amos chapter 6, verse 6, he said, Who drink wine from bowls, they, looking how the people indulge themselves, they were celebrating and anoint themselves with best, the best ointments, but they were not grieved for the affliction of Joseph or the northern tribes, Israel. They were too busy with pleasure and profit that they ignored purity of the faith. And so God was warning Judah, now don't follow the ways of those northern tribes, of the northern tribes of Israel. And God said, I will, if you do, I'll take away your joys. Even the joys of a bride. Isn't that the biggest celebration in the world? And women start planning their wedding from the time they're maybe 
13 years old, they start thinking about that. It's a highlight, and parents get all dressed up and make a big to-do, because it is special. And God is saying, not anymore. Why it doesn't have any meaning anymore? Because it's not about the, the dominion of Christ around the world. It's not like when God made Adam and Eve and said, multiply, fill the earth, have dominion over it. He, it's not about the joys of being married, a man loving his wife and being ready to die for her, or a wife in godly submission, working together for the good of the, the family and the church. These people were so wicked, he said, those joys are going to be gone. And if the marriage is gone, then guess what? There will be no babies. What joy? Who doesn't get happy when there's a new baby around? We just had one this past week at New Horizon. Tiny little fellow. The joys are already there. People want to see the baby. Want to play with the babies. That will be gone too. All will become a thing of the past. So whether it will be birthdays or anniversaries or marriages or births or graduations or new jobs no all will be gone because these people were so wicked and Jeremiah was told don't join with them because if you join with them you will make them think everything's okay if you join with them in their marriage when you know they're going to worship idols the next day it would be unacceptable the warning is don't do it. So what can we learn from our situation today? First of all, there's nothing wrong in going to a good funeral. And, and there are funerals that are good. When someone is in the presence of the Lord Jesus, they've done their work. Yeah, we missed them and we might shed a few tears. But there's a, a certain joy in going to a Christian funeral. Or going to a lovely wedding where the bride and the groom love Jesus more than they love each other. And you know they're going to be fine because of that. And you get together and you eat and you drink. But their situation at that time was so bad that they were told not to go. He was told not to go. Jesus and his disciples went to the marriage feast at Cana. Showing that it was definitely a good thing to do and to celebrate. But sometimes it's not when the two don't love the Lord. Summarize it this way. If you, if you play in mud, you're going to get dirt in your clothes. Don't mess with the clothes of Christ's righteousness. You see, when you go there, it's not only about them. It's how you get messed up. You, you see these people living their lives, and it seems like everything is okay. It seems like they have the blessings of God, so you think, you know, I could live that way too. They don't seem to be without the blessing of God. They seem to be doing fine. Well, the thing is, the Lord is saying you have to keep your guard against that. You can be lured as young people. You can be lured into cheating in your exams. Why? Because everyone does it. You can be lured into committing adultery because others do it and they get away with it or, or their spouses don't care. You can get into drugs and, and try to, to drown your problems out and not be aware of what's going on. Destroy your family in the process. You can be lured into alcohol, alcoholism, drunkenness, because that's what everybody does. You can be lured into stealing, because you can get away with it. But that's what happens if you're around people who live that type of life. That's why God is saying, don't go into their house, even for their celebrations. 
Because not only will you give them the wrong idea, you know, it's easy. Shakespeare said long time ago, show me your company, I'll tell you who you are. The influence will be there. And third, what sorrow came upon the children of Abraham and what sorrow will come upon the church if she does not change and return to God's favor? And brothers and sisters, Canada is looking like Judah before the Babylonian captivity. Canada needs repentance. We have to live in a state where we talk about inflation as if it's some kind of a foreign thing. And just when the government steals money from everyone. And they all do, all these politicians do. They just keep printing money and stealing from everyone. We need to get our lives in order. Adultery is celebrated. I saw a post today from, I think it was Ajax or Whitby. And the school board is sponsoring something. You know, you have LGBTQ, LMNOPQR, it goes all the way down. There was like 18, 20 letters. And they're celebrating these things. And when children are among them, then they will think that's okay too. It's one of the reasons it's not healthy to have your children being indoctrinated by the lies and the filth of the times. And don't go to churches that celebrate people. See, this is not just the outside, it's what's within the church. Watch out for churches that describe themselves as celebration. Of what does that mean? Now, it can have a good meaning, but a lot of times it's just a feel-good church. And the word of God is not central. Oh, might be a little bit more exciting and not as dry as sometimes we are. Boy, you have to be careful because you'll get sucked in by the celebrations and forget the Christ. Let's conclude. God warned Jeremiah not to take a wife from among the wicked people. And he was not to go into their houses to comfort them in their funerals. And he was not to join them in their celebration. Why? Because these people were destined for destruction. Doing these things were harmful to him. It was dishonoring to God. And it was harmful to the people themselves because they would be deceived. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't marry non-believers as nice as they may be. And some non-believers are extremely nice. Nicer even than Christian people, sadly. To do so is a serious sin. They will not help your Christian cause. They are going to hell. Don't even go to false churches, even if they have Christ in their names. Second, don't give people false hope when they mourn. There's nothing wrong in going to funerals. But better be of those who love Jesus Christ. If you go to a funeral service and the pastor is 
pronouncing that person to hell when you know that per- uh, to heaven, though that person never went to church or believed in Christ. What good are you doing to those families? This will make them think they're okay. And then don't celebrate those who are destined for hell. Show them the danger they are without Christ. Now it's not saying you don't go to people's house. And if you have good motives. If you're able for example to go to some celebration. You know you're going to get some people to talk to about the gospel. Use that opportunity. You have to use judgment here. It's not saying don't ever talk to other people. We invite non-Christians to our house all the time. We visited others. I've been asked to preach in non-Christians' house, and I went and preached the gospel. I called them to repentance in, in Jesus Christ. So you might have opportunities to do so. But it's what I'm saying is that you don't go there with the thing of celebrating them and say everything's okay. Because if you do, you're not doing them any good. This will bring judgment on them. This will also bring judgment on you. Because you are the ones who are misleading them, like the Lord said to those Judaizers in the church in Galatia, who were deceiving God's people and telling them, do some good things, get circumcised and you'll be saved. And finally, if you're not a Christian, life apart from God is death. A guilt-ridden physical death and a guilt-ridden eternal death, where your conscience, that worm that Jesus talked about, will prick you for eternity. The only way to avoid both, that guilt when you die, and that guilt when your eyes open up in eternity, is to ask God for forgiveness. A forgiveness that is not for free. Because Jesus paid the full price for it. And he offers it to sinners. And he says, come. Come unto me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest.